God has revealed himself, who he is, and what he says in his word. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is, of course, Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us and spending time with us today as we continue going through the Bible. This is our 33rd year. We're doing that. It's very fun. And today we look at Judges chapter 17 in about five minutes. But in about 20 minutes, Corey and Ryan are going to be here. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at lions, kings, and the faithfulness of God. Ryan? Today I'm profiling one of Israel's most famous, or maybe I should say infamous, judges, Samson. All right, very good. Yeah, infamous judge. That's very good, Ryan. Okay. Uh, they're coming up in about 20 minutes. Time to look forward to that. Janice? What do we expect? All right, that's coming up in about 25 minutes time. So there's a lot going on and we encourage you to stay with us. Open up your Bibles and your Bible guide and let's focus on what God is speaking to us today. What's he saying? Well, let's listen. Judges 17, 1 through 13. Now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you, and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, Here is the silver with me. I took it. And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So when he had returned the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Thus, he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took two hundred shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith and he made it into a carved image and a molded image, and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols, and he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. Micah said to him, Dwell with me, and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So the Levite went in. Then the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite as priest. Judges chapter 17, verses 1 through 13.
Judges chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 as we continue reading through the Bible is very important. You know, God has revealed himself in his ways in the pages of the Bible. It takes time and it takes work to uncover these truths and understand what God is saying. But the medium, that is the book or a book with traceable history, allows us to be confident in its unchanging nature and gives us time to think about it and memorize. In the days of Israel of the Old Testament, they had the books of Moses, the first five books of our Bible today. More than this, they actively worked at memorizing the stories and commandments within them. Festivals were held at which the law was supposed to be read aloud to the people. And the word was supposed to be a daily purposeful topic of conversation. And these words, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them to your children diligently. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 7. What would happen if Israel, if they would abandon the words, is graphically displayed in the book of Judges? The generation living in the promised land had turned away from God. Now, this is very, very important. So we need to pay attention to this because, you know, God is speaking to us today. Now, take your Bible guide and turn to today's message. It's important. If you don't have one, call us or write us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can get yours. But it's important for us to understand that God is doing something amazing in this passage. He's showing us what sin is. And Father, I pray today, as we look at this, an awful mess, as we understand this in Judges 17, the 13 verses, that you would teach us your way and show us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. And amen. Very important for us to hear that. Very important for us to understand that. All right. Now, let's look at this because this gets interesting. This is an awful mess, Judges 17. Now, there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse, even saying in my ears... Here is the silver with me. I took it. And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. Thus he returned the silver to his mother. And then his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to silversmiths and made it, he made it into a carved image and a molded image. And they were in the house of Micah. I can't tell you the violations here. There are so many. Micah returned the stolen money to his mother and she took a portion of it to have idols made for their home. God has no grandchildren. Every generation must find him. Beloved, making an idol was the second commandment. <laughs> you, that's just one of the many commandments he broke. Honor your father and your mother. There's another one. He stole money from his mother. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And Judges tells us this. Judges tells us this. 
And we need to understand that it's explaining to us how bad it is. Now, this gets interesting because let's read on. Judges chapter 17, verse 5. The man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and a household idols. And he constant. this is amazing, household idols, really? And he consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. And in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's incredible. Abandoning the writings of Moses already? Yes. Micah created his own religious rites. You see, the farther we stray from God and his word, the more we lose our foundation. The more we lose our ability to worship rightly, to worship correctly. Now, I don't want to get off on something here, but there is a reason why we, our worship in many ways used to be genuine. Because it was not so affected by money. It was not so infected by copyright legislation and everything else. You see, when we get away from worshiping God, we're into copyrights and everything else. Beloved, we need to pay attention to that because this is really important. Same with speaking too, by the way. Now, let's go back because this gets really bad. We go back to Judges chapter 17, verses 7 through 13. Watch this. Watch this. Now, there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judea of the family of Judah. And his name, he was a Levite. And he was staying there. And the man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Well, then he came to the mountains of Ephraim and the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? So he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. And Micah said to him, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. Another violation. So the Levite went in, and then the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest. What? He did. And lived in the house of Micah. And then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as a priest. Oh my goodness. A Levite from Bethlehem was totally wrong and misdirected. You see, even leaders of God will fall away if they abandon the word of God. Beloved, we need to get the word of God into our soul. There are ways to sing. There are ways to speak. There are ways to conduct ourselves. We need to listen to the Bible. We need to hear the New Testament. We need to listen to the words of Paul to Timothy. We need to understand that it's not about salary. It's not about money. It's not about copyright. It's not about any of that. In fact, we need to read the Bible and teach the word of God. Because the word of God changes things in our hearts. And that becomes very important. I just, we, we've got to get this. And this is one of the reasons that we are, 
totally off track in our countries. We have missed the word of God. But you know what? The, there are many people, millions of people in the world who know the word of God. Praise God. And as we get ourselves back to the word of God, we're saying, yes, Lord, we're going to follow you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we're going to come back to the Word of God. Help us to learn. We see in Judges how far they were off. Reminds us of us. Help us to get back to the Word of God. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. All right, well, today we are talking about lions, and the reason is probably pretty obvious. I mean, there is the famous account of Samson uh, killing a really aggressive young lion with his bare hands. Now, this account that the Bible chooses to record, I mean, it could have recorded many things from Samson's life, and it chooses this detail to record. Why? What was the significance of lions in the ancient Israelite mind? Take a look. The lion was one of the main predators of ancient Israel and is mentioned often in the Bible. Today, the wild Asiatic lion is extinct in Israel, though a modern cousin lives in captivity thanks to conservation efforts. From references in the Bible, we know the lion once could be found throughout the land of Israel, regardless of topography. They were considered one of the animals that shepherds had to protect their herds and flocks from. Even David, before he was king, claimed to have defeated lions attacking his sheep. Lions are also said to have occasionally attacked humans. It's an interesting correlation that just as the role of shepherd was associated with kings, so was the lion. As shepherd of the people, it was the king's job to establish and maintain order and safety for his flock, protecting them from predators and dangers, and providing them with sustenance. On the surface, the mighty and terrifying lion also provides an apt symbol for the power, strength, and persistence of a good king. As king of the wild, the lion fears only man. As king of his nation, the ruler fears only God, or the gods, depending on his culture. The lion's association with kingship may reach even deeper, as expressed by Neo-Assyrian culture. Their empire was the one that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and severely humbled southern Judah. On the walls of excavated Assyrian palaces are carvings that depict royal lion hunts, and explanations of these hunts seem to move them beyond sport and into ceremony. The Assyrian kings believed they had a mandate from the gods to bring nature or the wild under control, to civilize even the wildlife. The lion served as the symbol for all this untamed chaos. By successfully hunting a lion, likely as part of their coronation, Assyrian kings took the place of the lion as king of the untamed world. They would not only protect their citizens from the wild, but actively had power over it. 
The lion's kingly association is more ancient than the Neo-Assyrian Empire. Kingly lion hunting scenes survive from the third millennia BC kingdom of Uruk, as well as from Egypt, and lion imagery adorns a king's mace head from Kish. In the Bible, King Solomon's throne was reached by six stairs flanked by a total of 12 lion statues, perhaps symbolizing the mighty king-like power of the 12 tribes of Israel, ruled over by the ultimate king, himself. At least in that early time of kings, it was a mighty thing to kill a lion, as seen by David's claim to have defeated them, one of his mighty men claiming the same, and of course the famous story of the judge Samson killing a young aggressive lion with his bare hands. It's not known if Israelite kings ever participated in kingly lion hunts, but it is possible that there were some unlawful lion cults or ceremonies that took place. This is hinted at by lion-shaped cult objects and by a lion bone found in Northern Israel's apostate high place. So when we know the, the cultural context of what the lion came to symbolize, you know, how, how a good ruler could uh, overcome lions and, and really keep societies safe from the chaos that is the wild, uh, you know, we see that God really did empower Samson to lead Israel and to rescue her from her enemies. Samson was not then faithful to God. He did not obey God. He was not obedient. And yet God was faithful to this unfaithful judge. And he was faithful to this unfaithful judge so that Israel could be delivered. And this is the same old story of the judges over and over. God raises up men and women who fail to be faithful to them. In fact, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse to the end of the book of Judges. Uh, but we see God being faithful to rescue Israel anyway. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. And as we look at this, we learn that God still uses us mm -hmm. even when we get ourselves seriously messed up. So that's really, really important. Thank you, Corey. Very good. Ryan? All right. Well, to continue that theme, I want to profile the judge in Nazarite, Samson. And, you know, Samson lived at a time, as we were talking about, in Israel's history when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. There weren't any Jewish kings yet, but God raised up leaders to judge and deliver his people from the hand of their enemies. And of course, Samson was one of these deliverers. Now, although he was very, very reckless, God was still able to use him. Let's check it out. Prior to the rule of any Israelite king, when everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes, was born Samson. Even before the womb, God had ordained him to be a judge among his people and to begin delivering the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. He was to be a Nazarite, one set apart to God from birth. But his reckless behavior and weakness for women made him seem a very poor choice. At first, everything seemed to be going according to plan. Samson grew and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. But Samson decided to marry a Philistine woman, which aggravated his parents. Yet there was no talking him out of it. This choice set him on a deadly collision course with the Philistines. Deadly for them, deadly for him. Indeed, though Samson's parents were unaware, God was using this opportunity to ultimately bring the Philistines to ruin. It first began to manifest during the seven-day wedding feast. 
for when Samson discovers that he has been conspired against by his bride and some Philistines over a wager he made, he leaves in a rage. When he returns and finds that his wife has been given over to another man, he burns the Philistines' grain fields, vineyards, and olive groves. When the Philistines return fire and burn his wife and her father, Samson makes a great slaughter of them all. Though Samson returned home, he would soon be arrested by his own people and delivered back to the Philistines. However, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and with nothing more than a donkey's jawbone, he slew a thousand men. Although the Philistines would make another attempt upon Samson during his one-night stay with a harlot in Gaza, he once again escaped. For twenty years, Samson had overpowered and eluded the Philistines, but all of that was about to change. For when they learn of Samson's love for Delilah, they offer her a significant sum of silver if she can discover the secret of Samson's power. After a great deal of enticement, Samson finally breaks down. No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me. Now exposed, Delilah lulls Samson to sleep and has his head shaved. In moments, the angry Philistine mob is upon him, but he is powerless. So he is blinded, shackled, and imprisoned. Yet Samson's divine mission was not yet complete. Indeed, sometime later, when his hair had partially returned, he is brought to the Philistine temple for the entertainment of thousands. But Samson sets himself between two supporting pillars, and in one last prayer he pleads with God, let me die with the Philistines. So he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. You know something, every time I read Samson's story, I'm reminded of how very tragic it is. You know, it didn't have to end the way it did. Had he been more God-centered in his thinking, things could have been different. But his desire for pleasure in women overruled his love for God, and it cost him. As a matter of fact, Samson's interaction with women forms the backbone of the biblical account of his life. And this feature might be foreshadowed in his birth narrative in which the angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother before his father. But in any case, it would be a woman, Delilah, who would be this mighty man's downfall. And we'll talk a little bit more about her on tomorrow's program. You know, I mean, Delilah was uh, the, the kind of person who really took Samson down. I mean, he, he fell for women and he fell for her. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's really, really interesting. I look forward to that tomorrow. Yeah, and the I, fact that she's named is a clue, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. It's a clue in the text that she's important. He yeah. probably should have seen that one coming. The second time. But he, I mean, he was so, anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll talk <laughs> about that drunk. again on the next program. <laughs> and, and, and interestingly, mine's called, What Do We Expect? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 I heard Corey's little... When, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along, moving right along, I titled mine, What Do We Expect? Because, you know, we're looking here, we're in the judges. I've heard Ryan mention it, Rod's mentioned it, Corey's mentioned it. People did what was right in their own eyes in this time, and we see that. And by the end of Judges, we're just like, oh, I can hardly wait for the Book of Ruth to come. But we see Micah's idolatry here, and it reminded me, as I read about this mother and her son, you know, the, the greatest commandment here, the, the Israelites is given the Shema. Deuteronomy, I don't have time to read it now, but Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, it talks about how to carry and have the word of God with you all the time in your heart to teach it to your children. Well, clearly here we're, we're seeing uh, in this exchange between a mother and her son, he's taken her money, which uh, this 
1,100 shekels of silver is a fortune in this time. And he steals it from her. He hears that she's putting a curse on the person that takes it. And so he's got to come clean. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be cursed. And so he admits it, brings the money back to his mother. She says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son, which sounds like a really strange thing to say. But really, I believe that, that in her mind, she was wanting to cancel out the curse that she had put on the person who stole from her. So she was saying, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son, to reverse that curse that she has done. We hear about Micah's personal shrine that he started. This is in verse five. The man Micah had a shrine. Well, that was outlawed um, back in Deuteronomy chapter 12, placing one of his own sons as a priest. That was a violation. Only the Levites were called by God to priesthood, not whatever you felt was right. People, again, they were just doing what they thought was right. There's so much out of place, too, with this young man, the Levite that comes. He wasn't even old enough to be in the priesthood. They weren't called, they weren't qualified to serve until they began the priesthood at age 30. We read that in Numbers 4, verse 3. So Micah's statement is what brought me to the place of what do we expect is that he says, then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as priest. Like somehow by doing this, all of a sudden now he should be in God's good books. It's almost like this Levite he saw as just another idol, as just another way that he could get uh, the blessing of the Lord upon himself. What he was paying this Levite was meager, Uh, in comparison to all the money that he had been given, that he had stolen from his mother. When we choose to live outside of what God has said in his word, what do we expect? Let me say that again. When we choose to live outside of what God has said in his word, what do we expect? Do we expect uh, God to act like a genie for us? What would you like, Janice? You have three wishes. Let me fulfill those for you. Is he a genie in the bottle or is he the creator of the universe? Is he almighty God? We can't know what God has said if we're only interested in doing what we want to do or what we think is right in God's eyes. That's why we have this program. That's why we are dedicated and true followers of Jesus Christ. We want to know what God has said to us in his word. We don't only want to know what we ha- what he has said. We also want to apply that in our actions and in our reactions in this world. I just want to tell you that if you look up Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube, you'll find a place where we present videos. These videos are really fun and they're great. And we live the word of Lord and then we present it to you in the video. So make sure that you join and subscribe and be a part of that. And we'll share them with you on a daily basis. Right now, let's pray. Lord, help me to adjust my thinking according to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.